What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show, where we go from struggle to flow. A friend of mine the other day, in a way to bring up this podcast, framed a question to me, leaning on curiosity. His question to me was, do I record this podcast with a listener in mind? Or am I just recording this for myself? Am I just speaking to myself? And he said he was asking this because he wanted to know what my goal was with this podcast. That's how he framed his question. And when I answered his questions, I asked him naturally the follow-up questions from my end of, well, in his opinion, what did he think when he thought or when he was listening to my podcast? Did he think that it was meant for a listener? Which then and I opened myself up to it, revealed his opinion to me that he indeed did not feel or understand how anyone is meant to listen to what I say on my podcast, which I assume actually in the back of his mind is what got him to start asking me this question about this whole podcast thing in the first place, possibly covertly hidden in curiosity, itching to tell me that he felt this way. But maybe that's just how I look at it. He felt that it was too personal, my podcast. And later questioning revealed that he actually only listened to half of one episode all the way back to like episode 16 or 20 or something. And yeah, some episodes, including this one, lean heavy on personal. That was his opinion, but it was formed from him listening to half of one episode which is also a piece of information I have to take in in weighting his opinion. It's only fair, right? And now I try to be open to all feedback, even when maybe not given in a fully thought-through way. Because I always assume that the other person has something of value to offer me, even if they themselves can't get it out or deliver it in the most productive way. Maybe there's still something in there for me. And yeah, sure, you have to do this in a healthy way because you can't offset this balance and just accept feedback or be open to energy and criticism from anyone, at least not in its entirety. You have to, everyone has an opinion to how much weight you give. And you you have to weight everyone's opinion and how much weight you give. It has to be fine-tuned to contextual measures. Or if you open up yourself to feedback from everyone on every topic, you will never accomplish anything in life in fear of someone's overt expressive opinions about something. And who knows what formed those opinions? Maybe it was something in their past or their background. I have family members who are deathly afraid of the stock market. If I listened to their opinions, I would never have the exposure or the experience that I do and the success that I've had. And that's what got me started to think about this. Because here's the reality. There is no objective argument to be had here. Because in the matter of this, it's not objective. I can't talk about it the same way I would something else that has 
a value that can be objectively defined. Maybe he's, and he probably is correct in his own right. And he wanted to get on the phone to explain to me what he meant. And I'm sure he can articulate at length his point, despite the limited exposure that he's had to my episodes. And that's the funny part about being committed to our opinions. We can defend them and make a case for them, regardless of how informed they are or they may or may not be. Our human tendency to express certainty and not lose consistency to what opinion we have already expressed because commitment to it has already been escalated, that has no bearing on whether that opinion is sound or educated or anything or well-rounded. Usually once we've expressed it, we show face and keep it no matter how wrong it might be. But that word wrong is incorrect on my part because it's an opinion. And again, it can't be objectively wrong because an opinion can't exactly be wrong. It can only be partial. It can't be wrong. And that's what makes it an opinion. It's as right as it needs to be to be held by the holder. An opinion only needs one willing party for it to exist, for it to be validated. But the point is that there is no objective truth to argue. At least in regards to this podcast, or creation in general, but in this specific sense, whether or not these episodes actually accomplish my intention, my goal, which is to be palatable to a listener, but there's no argument if I fall short of that, which is how art is in many ways. It is unvalidated. I heard an episode, Dax Shepard talking about how he always wrote like no one was listening. No one was meant to read it. And that's what made him successful in his writing because he never expected somebody to read it. That's what got him uninhibited enough to not have a block when he sat down and wrote. Our art is unvalidated. I heard Lisa Bilyeu say the same thing talking about her new book where she says validation is for parking. Our ideas and expressions aren't meant to be validated. And how much they are felt by some cannot be contained in the opinion of one person. Obviously, that feeling is outside of that person who does not feel it, right? That's not contained by that person. Art that comes from an exercise of creativity is never going to match the exact palette of a person. That's exactly what creation is, if it's done right. When seen, heard, felt, or experienced, it's like nothing else before. So the feeling is foreign, or doubt is a natural accompaniment to the process of creation. And it's almost maybe not meant to be understood. Maybe that's an excuse. Other than maybe just by a few people, I don't think it's meant to be understood as long as it's felt. And I think it's felt a lot more than it's understood. But none of that is objective. None of it can be argued or defended. It just is, or it just isn't for you. I myself, in the realm of visual art, 
tend to be quite a traditionalist. And I myself have found expressing disdain for the squiggly line variety of modern art that seems overly simplistic and easily replicatable. Something I feel like I can do. What to me feels like it's missing a soul. But again, it is the same reminder that humbles me. The creator's brushstroke should not be inhibited by the far-removed subsequent criticism of a bystander outside the arena like me. Should he think about that when he's painting? The confidence and process to manifest in any form what once started out in your head is quite possibly the most beautiful endeavor. And really, no one is a fair judge of what in its very essence was birthed to stand out and what started out as something that was inside your head that no one else has a view to. How can they judge? What stick are you measuring against when the dimensions are intangible? Here's the reality. I may miss all the marks if you are here expecting me to be a certain way that I don't fit the mold of. And, and God, maybe I even feel the missing of those marks myself on a consistent basis. But in the same fashion, I then allow myself the grace to go out and venture and play in the dark and bring out of it something that takes shape in front of me. To my wonder, to me as a bystander in awe, just the same as I intend to do for you. And again, many times I may miss that mark. But let's see what a decade of this target practice gets me. Where would you be if that brushstroke painted without inhibition or a desperate seeking or imposition of judgment for a decade? Would you not at least create a few masterpieces? Even one would make your life worth living. Go paint in the dark like no one's watching. And if you're just starting to create, if you read the artist way, Julia Cameron would tell you to give your budding artist the room away from any criticism that you need. When you are in the beginning of doing something, you are no more mature than a toddler. And the grace you should allow yourself would be the same as that to a newly learning, newly walking child. You wouldn't be overly harsh or critical of a child learning a new skill for the first time, would you? Then what allows you to judge yourself and expect greatness when you've only been doing something for a little bit of time, even for a year or two or three? You're barely a toddler. Your inner creator can barely fit on those cute little Timberlands yet. Your inner creative's entire style is still jimboree. How can you judge it and let it be judged by your snobby, wine-sniffing friends? Does that, does that sound right to you? 
There's a bit of arrogance in that too. If you dribbled a ball for a year and expected to make it to the NBA, you'd be arrogant, right? What makes any other pursuit any different? Have we just lost respect for being adolescent and beginners in life again and again in different areas because we're supposed to be refined and experts by a certain age but then does that mean only the things that you picked early on that you have amounted the time in are now the things that you are defaulted to you have to be okay with being a beginner and an adolescent even though it doesn't feel right We're so afraid to be bad at something. How else do you ever expect to be good? Do you think I'll wake up in a decade and be better at having listeners in mind with every word if I don't come on here and practice that every damn day? Twice a week at least? You know how many times I've thought about just cutting this down to once a week because it would be easier? But then I would lose out on the practice. I would lose out on the work. I would lose out on failing miserably at times. I would lose out on those miserable fails so that I can have a chance at that one masterpiece. Isn't that what I'm supposed to be doing? The problem is most of us can't imagine stretching our commitment levels out to a decade, out to that long of a time horizon. Like Drake said, just give it time, we'll see who's still around a decade from now. Most of us don't have the staying power. But there's no other way. Please tell me how else to dribble this ball and fast forward to mastery, because I don't know of another way. One brushstroke at a time. One thought, one word, one sentence, one poorly articulated, stumbled thought into another. Until one day where precision flows and ears gather and hearts quiver at each utterance. Until then, here I am with my heart out, imperfect, with lots of love for you, with nothing but the purest of intentions for you, carried out though it may be imperfectly.